Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. is Tech News Today for Friday, May 13th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Virtua Tennis 4. The number one tennis series with motion control is back with new features. Available for Xbox, PS3, and Wii with motion control capabilities. To learn more and order online, go to sega.com slash Virtua Tennis 4. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Aya Zaktar. I'm Jason Owl. And this is the show where we kick around the Tech News of the Day, try to make sense of it all. My last one for a week. Tom, what is going on? You you keep yeah. threatening that you're not going to be here next not week. Not coming in on Monday, sir. We, we know we're we, frightened. We, we don't get the joke. Is <laughs> yeah. What are you going to tell us? That's all a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you that's all a joke. A week from Monday, okay. when I come back you're in going and on go, next I'll week. never go on vacation. Yeah, no, I'm going to Montreal. That's awesome. For fun. Are you going tips. to secretly be watching TNT every day? Because that's usually what you do when you take days off. And then I don't you, know if I'll be watching it live, but I'll definitely listen. Okay. I got to keep up on the tech news. That's true. And that's It'll the only best make way to keep up on the tech news is to listen to tech news today or watch it. I'll do a testimonial. You know what I did when I went to Barcelona? I, I would, I would, um, I would actually write emails in to Buzz Out Loud <laughs> under an assumed name. No, no, as myself. Oh no, okay, I do remember with that. like corrections. It's gonna be like, from, oh, I bet they opinions. loved it. Molly loved that. From yeah. Tom oh, yeah. to not double. She loves that kind of stuff. All right, let's uh, kick <laughs> off today's show with LimeWire founder Mark Gorton and his file-sharing company, LimeWire, uh, agreeing to compensate the four largest record labels by paying them $105 million. What do the smaller record labels get for all of his infringement-inducing activities? <sighs> News coverage? They get nothing is what they get because it's only the largest people that deserve to be compensated. Of course. And the people fair. who run these four labels are really fat. Well, they, what did they get? One hundred five million bucks. That's pretty good. Uh, one hundred five million dollars split between split four ways. That's that's it, just over twenty five million dollars a piece. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of money to us, but sure um, it is. Uh, the RIAA apparently was going for as much as seventy five trillion. That's just silly. And we're talking. That's not even down. a real number. No, well, that's like just, their lawyer walked in and like we believe we deserve seventy five gazabilzillions. Especially since the LimeWire founder Mark Gorton was. Uh, you know, it was it was a personal lawsuit. He was found personally liable for this. He says, hey, man, I don't have that kind of money, but he has a lot of money. Yeah, allegedly, uh, his assets include $100 million in an IRA, mm-hmm. uh, a $4 million home in Manhattan. He also apparently operates a hedge fund and a medical software company. He's really busy. He does well, all sorts of stuff. He doesn't you know, own a $4 million mansion in He's a business know, person, right? and actually... To my way of thinking, he has a hedge fund and a medical software company, which means he's getting income elsewhere mm-hmm. besides just LimeWire. LimeWire might not have been making that much money for him. Right, but that's why him being personally liable is so important, because they can go past LimeWire and take the money from him. So whether he, this his house is worth $4 million, bucks, he obviously has to sell it to, to pay off these guys. Because I was thinking about this, too. I'm like, LimeWire probably didn't make that much money in the first place. How long is this going to take? And did he settle uh, by paying with any intellectual property rights he had, too? Well, well and let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, how much damage was really done by LimeWire and how much has now been prevented by running LimeWire out of business? Well, according to the chairman of the RIAA, he said the uh, 
LimeWire wreaked enormous damage on the music community, helping okay. contribute to thousands of lost jobs and fewer opportunities for aspiring artists. So he's obviously taking it very seriously. Well, also, LimeWire was sort of the only there. one to go after, after a certain point. Yeah, yeah after, the, after the uh, Grocklaw case, LimeWire was the only one Grokster who really case. stayed. I'm sorry, Grokster. Uh, We've got Grokklaw later in the show. (laughs) Uh, After the Grokster case, Limar was the only one left in business in the U.S. anyway for a while. I I think it's also a little silly to think that LimeWire wasn't making money or else he wouldn't have been continuing with LimeWire, especially since he must have known that eventually the RIAA would would go after LimeWire. He's got a nice healthy IRA. um, And apparently records show that LimeWire made $26 million in revenue, at least back in 2006. So assuming that they kept up some sort of revenue that's in that area. But my question remains, Mm -hmm. how much damage was really done by LimeWire? Oh, it you depends mean, who you ask. You mean, yeah. I mean, we can have... Was, all you did was parrot the RIAA Bainwall quote, which is, of course, they did immense damage. Yes. And every song downloaded is a song that would have been purchased at full retail value. We know that's bunk. So I, I'm not sure how much damage... I don't think anybody has a real idea of how much damage has been done uh, to the recording industry. And I think it's much less than $105 million, frankly. Or at least LimeWire's share of it is probably much less than $105 million. So, uh, and, I, and I think uh, that getting LimeWire out of the business has done nothing to impede piracy. The way you beat piracy, as I've said over and over, is you compete with free with mm-hmm. good services. And so all of this dragging of the heels about Google Music and Amazon lockers and not wanting to give Apple a deal, that is what is impacting their bottom line. Digital sales of music are actually up. This year. And they would be up a lot more if they offered more compelling offerings. That's right. Instead of wasting their time in court, suing poor Mark Gorton in his $4 million Manhattan home. It looks like a very nice mansion um, in Manhattan. Uh, I hope that, uh, I hope he's going to be okay. Sure he will. He has that medical devices company. And every time you shut down a line wire, uh, people just find other ways to do this stuff. Hey, I can think of right now... a variety of, of channels of sharing digital song files, and none of that includes LimeWire. Yep. I, I mean, I don't even, Just do I don't even in, know what LimeWire's interface looks like. Do an in-title search on Google. Use Rapid Share or Bear Share. I mm-hmm. mean, there's you know, there's hundreds and millions, and if you shut, try to shut those down, you, there's going to be something right. else pop up. Now That's told, not the way to do this. Now you told people how to get these things, and now they're going to sue us. Uh, no, I'm not they saying... they got nothing I, else to do. No, right? I would have to induce them. Okay. I, and there's a big difference between me saying those things exist than me saying you should, you should go use that. them. You I'm, didn't say I'm that. absolutely saying you should not use them to infringe copyright. Okay. Just that people... Just to be clear, Your Honor. People have other options. Yeah. yeah I'm just protecting the show. <sighs> Thank you. Stop protecting Thank you, the lawyer. show. It's no fun. Gosh. Thank you, lawyer. Liquid Friday, Ugh. too. Buzzkill. All right. Making sure we don't get thrown in jail. Patent holding firm LoadSys has sent several iOS app developers complaints accusing the devs of infringing patent number 722078 entitled Methods and Systems for Gathering Information from Units of a Commodity Across a Network, also known as pressing upgrade within an app in order to buy a new version of the app or in-app payments. The weird thing is they're not this company's not going after Apple directly, at least we don't have any information about that. Uh, these are these are app developers who have Free versions, light versions, and a, and a paid version. So the idea is you hit the upgrade button, you get the, the new app. But uh, this company, Lotsis, I think that's what they're called, they are suing these guys, and I really don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, if, if they think they can push around 
basically everybody in the app store, I mean, Apple's going to come after them. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so the developer for an app called PCalc, which I'm actually familiar with. I, ha- I have it downloaded. Um, he wrote, I just got hit by a very worrying threat of patent infringement lawsuit for using in-app purchase in PCalc Lite. So he's got like a light version and a full version. Legal docs arrive via FedEx. I have no idea what to do. They seem to be effectively claiming the rights to in-app purchases, but going after me, not Apple. Now, that's the key here, is that if this was really a legitimate patent issue, why wouldn't they be going after Apple? Apple are the people who built the infrastructure and not only are allowing people to add in-app purchasing and upgrade capability, but encouraging it. Well, well, we don't know they, if they, Apple's got bigger pockets. Well, we don't know if they went after Apple at all. I but mean, so Apple, why not go they may, after Apple? No, that's a good point. They may or may not have gone yeah, after Apple. Yeah, because Apple's not exactly known for spilling the beans. Like, but even if they happening. haven't, it's because... What they're sending are not cease and desist. What they're sending, well, they may be cease and desist, but what they're sending are, you have 30 days to start paying us a license fee. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is about it's collecting money. Days. This is not about right. a moral right. This is not about stopping anything. Is it, it's 21 days? Yeah. This is about saying, you got 21 days to pay up. They just want to get people paying them money. Yeah, that's why people think they're patent trolls. They're like, $21 for a license, uh, 21 days until you have, until uh, we sue you and you can get a license right now. And the whole issue with Apple being involved or not being involved is, is another questionable thing. Are they patent trolls or not? Uh, we're going to have to wait and find out. And this can affect any app maker anywhere in the world, even though it's U.S. law. Right. Uh, the, the patent invention is credited to one Dan Ablo, though his portfolio of patents were sold to Lodesys in 2004. So Lodesys is obviously a, a patent holding firm, which can also be interpreted in many cases as a patent. I mean, there are certain companies like IBM that a lot of their work is just holding patents. So I don't want to call these guys trolls right away. Well, maybe next week. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy Maker Square Enix has been hacked. Uh, they say that IdosMontreal.com and it uh, looks like DeusX.com uh, have been hacked. We, they say we immediately took the sites offline to assess how bad uh, the, how this had happened and what had been accessed, then took further measures to increase the security of these and all of our websites before allowing the sites to go live again. They were able to do it within a day instead of taking 22 to 23 days. Uh, like- but their services were not so extensive as the PlayStation Network or Sony Online Entertainment. Looks like email addresses of up to 25,000 customers were taken and resumes of 350 Canadians have also been stolen, uh, which is a, a nice treasure trove of, of information because a lot of people on their resumes, they put their phone number, they put their work history, they put their home address. Uh, and so that's, that's a lot more than just an email address. Yeah, I, th- Tom and I were talking before the show where because um, uh, Graham Cluley, who's a security consultant, said, hey, you know, with email, there's a danger that gamers could be emailed by somebody that's pretending to be from the company and, you know, there's a phishing scam involved. But resumes are basically a blueprint for identity theft. They've got everything the scammers want. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, my resume is public on LinkedIn, has been for years, and I don't have a social security number on a resume or a home address or anything. But I guess a lot of people that social security numbers are not the norm on resumes, but home addresses, I guess, for many people are. And I guess it depends on the company that that asks you to to, uh, provide something in a certain format. We're not all digital. Do you think we'd notice this this kind of stuff as much if it weren't for the PlayStation Network hack? Probably not. I mean, we've seen such a like a stretch of cloud-based problems, including the PlayStation Network. We've seen this coming up later. Uh, Blogger is, is an issue. Uh, the fact that a, like a software publisher went down. I mean, this 
it's only two sites and it doesn't seem to be as large, you know, 25,000 email addresses. I mean, email addresses are pretty easy to get anyway, but the resumes seem to, they bother me most because you could probably figure out a bunch of security questions based on your work history, your, your education history, or anything like that. That's true. You, you've got education history on there. You might have uh, named your favorite things. Your interests. Some people put what? weird stuff on Come resumes. On. I want a job at, at this company. I love the color blue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you read resumes before? You, I know you have. Uh, come on. People put some crazy stuff on there. David Prager put a photo of himself on his resume. There you go. I just don't see why my my educational history, I don't know. I Well, because then, you know, the, the nickname of your alma mater might be a password. Yeah, okay. okay. You know, or a security question. You could glean some information yeah. reading between the lines, I guess, in a resume. Maybe people ought to rethink some of the stuff that they say in their resume. Yeah, maybe. All right, uh, let's take a quick break and thank our brand new sponsor, Sega, for helping to support Tech News Today and the new Virtua Tennis 4, latest game from the number one tennis series with motion control, uh, new motion control for all the major consoles. So Xbox has the Kinect, uh, Sony has the Move, and of course Wii has Motion Plus, and they're taking advantage of all of those in the new version of Virtua Tennis 4. Uh, world's top tennis stars return, but you can also now play 19 all-star players, including Nadal, Federer, Murray, Sharapova, and Williams. Uh, you and the players are on a new world tour featuring a career mode, which now goes RPG, too. So you're playing as if you are the tennis player. I like myself a tennis game. Oh, me too. Tennis, tennis on, on, I on, be on the Wii is fun. But this isn't just like... You know, I'm on the Wii as a little, like, bobblehead doll. Right. I am on the Wii as Federer. I am on the Wii, v, Wii as Williams. I am Williams. Yeah, good one. Or, or maybe funny. I'm on the Xbox 360. But in any case, <laughs> uh, no two careers are ever the same, so you can replay it. Each decision in the game affects the career path. World Tour also includes a new off-court fame element. So they try to bring in some of the real world. You know, you guys start to get a big head. It may affect your game. Uh, lots of mini game features, new weather conditions, and multiplayer and online modes. Love it! How fun! Brand new on-court feature uh, makes more dramatic matches. I mean, it's just a really fun uh, tennis game designed with the popular Virtua Fighter Five technology, with a matchmaking system, so you can find players that are at your competitive level. The online tournaments uh, will find the ultimate Virtua Tennis champion. To learn more. And order online. Go to sega.com slash Virtua Tennis 4. And we thank Sega for their support. Ayaz, would you rather be a Venus or a Serena? Hmm. Serena. Yeah, me mm-hmm. too. I've always thought manly. of you as a Serena. Yeah. Yeah. Not as a, a, a Venus in any way. Really. Thanks, guys. Just, I mean, that It's be, because you're a very serene weird. dude. Yeah, I'm That's all we're saying. Back. Yeah. It's surprising, I know. All right. Uh, Blogger went down last night. Yeah, and then was sure down for 20.5 hours. It fit nicely inside of our news cycle. <laughs> yeah. It went down shortly after Tech News Today and then came up shortly before. Right. Uh, some posts were temporarily removed. Uh, Google says they're now working on restoring those posts. And the outage is over. So the blogger sites are back up and you can edit it. But it was apparently caused by data corruption during a maintenance update. This is what's scary about the cloud. Because Blogger is obviously uh, owned by Google. Uh, as are many other things, uh, services that, I mean, on, on TNT, we use Google services every day and we really depend on them not to go down because, you know, they, I mean, good on Blogger, I guess, for saying, here's what happened. We had scheduled maintenance, maintenance work. We experienced data corruption. It impacted Blogger's behavior. 
a lot of stuff happened. Certain uh, users uh, had more problems than other users, but everything's kind of fine now. But for those 20 hours, imagine if you couldn't access your email account or Google Docs or a variety of other things that you depend on Google for. Because it sounds like they got everything fixed, but things happen. And and not that many, but a lot of professional sites rely on Blogger as their service provider. Uh, it's it's not a, not as large as some other providers out there, but I mean, this is this is a mar on the cloud because of things like the PlayStation Network going down recently, or even hacks on Square Enix. It's a different cloud problem, which is if I'm storing my data out there, these are the bad things. Now, are we experiencing the same thing we experience when we watch the evening news and we start to feel like the world's gone crazy and is full of crime because every night on the evening news they talk about a crime, Mm -hmm. but really crime has been going down for decades. are Are we just noticing this stuff it goes back to my earlier question. Are we just noticing this stuff more because there has been a network outage that is so bad? Or, you know, is this going to get more attention than it's worth? Everybody's hard drive is in danger of going down right, right. now. That's true. And, well, I mean, and right now, I, I can guarantee you someone in the, in the audience had a hard drive outage today. But we don't cover that because that's an individual. This is... Could my be? argument has always been that the cloud isn't any more dangerous than operating your own equipment, that you should you should operate redundancy. Well, it's not necessarily more dangerous than operating your own equipment, but it takes the control out of your hands, right? I mean, if you've got a hard drive failure and you haven't backed up your data, whoops, that's on you, and you kind of just have to live with yourself or figure out what your next moves are. If it's something that's going on on Google's side... And you just are sitting there going, I don't know when it's going to be back up. And Google uses Blogger for their blogs, too. So they're having issues internally. And I'm not being updated and you know, until they can open, uh, open up the lines of communication. Then I'm more inclined to be upset about that and feel very helpless. I mean, if you've ever hosted your own website or if you use any of these services, they say uptime 99.99996%. I mean, there's, there's going to be some time where these things go down. I mean, I mean, sometimes there are blackouts. Sometimes there's water shortages. This stuff gets resolved after a while. So, I mean, the fact that all this news is clustered together, I mean, just like even yeah. world events. I mean, we've seen earthquakes and tsunamis and horrible things happening all at the same I know. time. My wife, Eileen, is convinced that, like, we're towards the end time. But it all happened at the same time, so it made it feel like it's the end of the world, right? Yeah. Same kind of thing right now with the cloud. I mean, it's going to have its outages at times, but, I mean, for the most part, it's been pretty steady. And I think that's why we get so shocked that it, it goes down at all is because the uptime is so ridiculously good. And apparently no data loss. I mean, we'll, we'll see for sure once they've right, guaranteed yeah. that all of the posts are back up. But they're saying we didn't lose any data. Yeah. When your hard drive goes down yourself, yeah, you're in control. But I think that's more of an illusion of control because you didn't have control over that hard drive going down or not. And if it's gone and you didn't back up, then your data's gone. Whereas a cloud service, if it's any good at all, will have done lots to prepare you and back up things. Now, that Amazon EC2 service did have some some data loss, but mostly it didn't. Well, what about the Flickr account that went down and the user lost thousands of photos and sure. they didn't have a good reason for that? That's a very weird exception. That's yeah. the only one I can think of, but it is a reality. Yeah, but it is an exception, not It's an exception, norm. but it's something that Yahoo couldn't explain. Speaking of Yahoo, uh, their shares are sinking today on worries about their stake in Alibaba. Alibaba is a Chinese company. Uh, the CEO of that company is named Jack Ma. And uh, I didn't realize this, but some analysts actually believe Yahoo's Alibaba investment and a 35% stake in Yahoo Japan are worth 8 to $10 per share, accounting for about half of Yahoo's current market value. Wow. So Alibaba is very important to the value of Yahoo. 
Alibaba, not so happy with Carol Bartz and Yahoo, took one of their their services, the online payment service Alipay, and spun it out to another company, which just happens to have Jack Ma as its CEO. So Jack Ma doesn't lose anything. He's got Alipay, but Yahoo now no longer is investing in a company that has the very valuable service Alipay in it. Yahoo's upset. Shareholders are upset. And now there's all kinds of rumbling that CEO uh, Carol Bartz's contract, which ends in about a year and a half, uh, that may be over when it ends, that, that, that they may try to just replace her. So the reason that Yahoo didn't have any control out of Alibaba spinning off Alipay is because they have less than a 50% share, right? So... Jack Ma said, this is what we're going to do because I want to get some stuff out of uh, the control of Carol Bartz's hands. We don't get along very well. What are you going to do about it? And now Yahoo's stock doesn't look so great. The thing about uh, the the whispers about Carol Bartz being on the outs is she's got a contract, what, like a four-year contract with Yahoo. Yeah, she's so got she, about a year and a half left. On she's it. got about a year and a half left. If, if, if anybody on Yahoo's board is smart, they're obviously already thinking about who's going to take her place should she Just not renew her contract. What if she decides to leave? A year and a half isn't that yeah. far away. So a lot of, yeah, you're right. A lot of these rumors about looking for a replacement may just be normal preparations. Business yeah. Insider is the one saying they've talked to sources who say that the, that the board is quietly looking for a replacement to have on deck. Uh, but then a person familiar with the board's thinking called Business Insider and said the board is fully supportive of Carol, which of course they have to say. I think it's also very easy to say something like there are whispers that Carol Bartz might be replaced because she's known to rile up people and and you know may, maybe uh, have enemies in China at Alibaba for example and 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 is very outspoken and and can kind of seem as combative. Yeah. Uh, she she is a controversial character right. and and there is no doubt that she does not get along with a lot of these uh Chinese companies. SoftBank's CEO also apparently has complained about Carol Bartz in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rubbing people the wrong way, for sure. And that may not be what Yahoo needs right now. Well, rubbing people the wrong way is, hey, you know, you can get away with that as long as things are going well. Right. And if they're not, that's kind of looking like your fault. Rumor has it Amazon is preparing an entire family of Android devices. A little mama, a little papa device, a little baby device. Uh, This, of course, is according to an insider talking to AndroidandMe.com's Taylor Wimberly. Although Taylor writes more than just your usual little blurb about like, guess what I heard? There's going to be a bunch of Android tablets. Breaks it down really interestingly. Uh, All the evidence, both from Taylor's sources as well as other leaks. Uh, For instance, apps in the Amazon App Store are all smartphone oriented. So the Amazon App Store for Android might imply that they would do a smartphone since they have this big investment in smartphone apps. Digitimes reporting that Amazon is going to order fringe field switching LCD displays and touch panels from e-ink holdings, which would indicate something beyond the Kindle. No, they're, they're not ordering an e-ink display. They're ordering an LCD display and touch panel, which would imply a tablet. Sources also told Wimberly Amazon would be using a pixel key display. So those, those two rumors kind of conflict. Uh, they also said um, Amazon has outsourced their software services to an embedded systems company that has experience with Android devices to kind of make their own version of Android for a tablet. And apparently has been given the impression that Google's actually working with Amazon on these devices. So it's possible Amazon could ship their products in Q4 with the next version of Android ice cream sandwich on the tablets. It wouldn't be that surprising to see Amazon 
just introduce a slew of products. And when the Kindle 2 came out, I think they also introduced the DX either at the same time or nearby that, that, that launch. So if they were going to go into Android, they seem like they're doing these slow steps. They have the marketplace. They have support for this. They have their cloud player. They have all this stuff waiting and waiting. And if they just came out with three or four of these things at the same time, it really wouldn't be that surprising. I could see them coming out with an, maybe even a, just an Amazon-branded smartphone that takes advantage of the Amazon App Store, the Amazon Music Locker, uh, the Amazon uh, TV and, vi- and movie rentals, and the Kindle, and the Kindle app uh, as a device. I could see them coming out with a tablet that does the same thing, that takes advantage of all those services. And, of course, then new Kindles that are maybe have a, you know, that are e-ink but have a few more bells and whistles on them. That could be a family right there. Mm-hmm. Smartphone, Kindle, tablet. I think it would be smart for Google and uh, Android, Amazon, to work together because Amazon has such good brand recognition. So many people love Amazon. A lot of people are not even familiar with Android or, you know, aren't that kind of like tech Android enthusiast, but would love a tablet and, oh, Amazon made it, so it's probably going to work the way that I expect it to. Um, It could, I don't know, open up Android to a lot of folks who wouldn't buy an Android tablet or phone otherwise. Yeah, Google-Amazon partnership actually is kind of scary if you think about it. Amazon, (laughs) they have a lot of contacts in the music industry and Google can't really budge uh, any negotiations there. So why not? I mean, it would make sense for them to start going, you know what, we'll work with you on this hardware and our software. Maybe you can help us out with this other business negotiation. Wow, yeah. Titans helping each other. Google has a history of doing this, though, but they're serial monogamists. You know, they, they worked really well with Apple for a while, mm-hmm. but then that seems to have that seems to have soured a little. I could see them doing this with Amazon. Be careful. Don't get yourself hurt. Google's a heartbreaker. Yeah. So you're all saying right. not to raise a family with Google? Mm, it might not be the best idea. You may be jumping in a little early. That's all I'm saying. Be careful, you know. Be on the watch. Google's a man-eater. All right. Uh, bin Laden. Uh, and a womanizer. How about that for a transition? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of man-eaters. So for a long time, U.S. Uh, intelligence agents have been trying to figure out how Osama bin Laden was sending email because they've been doing all kinds of forensics on the headers and they could not figure out where the emails were coming from. Turns out U.S. Navy SEALs seized roughly 100 flash memory drives from the Abbottabad, Pakistan compound. And officials say it appears to archive back and forth communications between bin Laden and his associates. What he would do is write his emails put them on a thumb drive. Uh, a courier would then take them to a, a, a internet cafe, and they generally didn't go to any internet cafe twice if they could help it, and then upload those emails, r- bring in any other emails that were coming in, copy them, put them on the thumb drive, and then shuttle them back to the compound. So he used SneakerNet. Sneak- yeah, he sneaker was totally net. using the SneakerNet. Totally. Almost. Just short of that. Yeah, really? not, not too far away it's from It's really carrier not that far from pigeon. CEOs. They're like, you know, tell my assistant to print up those emails and... Bring them in. It just, it, I don't know. I guess I think, okay, well, you go to one internet cafe that's nowhere near where Bin Laden's hanging out, and then you just don't go back to that cafe the, the next time. Right. But wouldn't, it, it just seems like if you were, if you were really following the fact that email was being transmitted closely, you would be monitoring a slew of internet cafes in a, in a, in a wide area. Well, he, Who's coming in and going out? They're probably using internet cafes like using payphones. 
But if you're going to a different one every time and assuming there's enough of them in yeah. the Islamabad area, yeah. and maybe they're even going farther afield, who knows? And there are a lot of internet cafes. And, and do we know if these be. messages were coded on top of that? They could be like... I'm sure they, they paying, must have been, right? Paying a kid to that just say, upload that file and Hot you never mail. use that same kid again. You know, that kind of... Probably using multiple carriers. They dispose the, the kid, the couriers? <laughs> yeah, they... they might have actually never used the same courier twice either. Oh, yeah, I mean, mm. it's not like wow. not there was like some ethics involved here, but they could have disposed of the, the couriers. It was a certain kind of ethics, but not one I can recognize. On to the news views. <laughs> Far from being the cause of yesterday's Pirate Bay outage, ISP Comcast reportedly helped the often controversial site figure out what was wrong, or at least. They sent an email about it. ISP Sirius Tubes says that Comcast didn't help fix Pirate Bay. The problem was caused by a different telco, Global Crossing, using reverse path filtering. And Sirius Tubes working with Global Crossing is what resolved the issue. But Comcast did send an email. They were concerned. The next generation of tablets, known colloquially as the next iPad, could have ultra-sharp retina displays. Samsung will demonstrate a high-resolution LCD screen with a pixel density of 300 dpi and 40% power savings over current models. The screen is based on a display technology called Pentile, which adds a fourth color to the traditional trio of colors in LCD screens, red, green, and blue. The Pentile screen should be available later this year. I, for one, am intrigued. You actually might make a good reason to Purple. upgrade. Just upgrade your iPad for some reason. Infrared. <laughs> it's the other color. Yeah. Hulu and its network leash holders are close to a new deal that will keep programs from NBC, Fox, and ABC on the site. The pact is being negotiated by Hulu management, led by CEO Jason Killar, and officials from News Corp and Disney. Investor Providence Equity Partners also has a say. They're like the fourth partner. Terms are not known, but sources tell All Things D that it should result in more choices for Hulu Plus while leaving the rest of the service pretty much the same. We finally have progress in the Sony outage. This just in. Sony Online Entertainment has announced its apology package. What? It's pretty much the same as the one PSN users will get. Mm. Uh, U.S. customers get identity theft protection. Subscribers get one month free service, plus more if the outage lasts longer than 30 days. It's kind of unnerving that they're putting that into the plan now. Uh, <laughs> customers who've paid for lifetime subscriptions will get free in-game currency. So if you play Free Realms, you're going to get 20,000 coins, uh, 7,500 galactic credits for Clone War adventures, and 10 marks of distinction for DC Universe Online. <laughs> and a monocle. Well, we found out what that $500 million that Google paid the Department of Justice was oh, for. Oh, yeah. What'd they spend it on? Drugs. What? Drugs. No way. Hard street drugs. Well, actually, they're, they're settling a bill that's going to settle the criminal investigation into the search giant uh, that, that says they profited from rogue pharmacy ads. The FDA and Rhode Island's Attorney General have been looking into whether Google profited illegally from ads placed by non-U.S. pharmacies, which includes Canada, which usually they kind of turn a blind eye toward, but not this time. $500 million, Google's out. Old half a bill. You can run with your App Store trademark filings, Apple, but you can't hide. Microsoft has a posse. Joined by <laughs> HTC, Sony Ericsson, and Redmond's newest, bestest buddy, Nokia. Microsoft hopes to invalidate Apple's trademark registration for the terms App Store and App Store with a space and without a space in Europe. Amazon was the first to object to filing in Europe last month. Microsoft and Apple are also fighting the uh, apps. Microsoft and Amazon. Amazon. I wrote that. Well, actually, every, well, they are fighting. So. Yeah, well, that's true. Everybody's fighting over the App Store trademark. Stop fighting! There's a new way to make video calls and chat quickly and easily right in your browser. No, Yahoo Live isn't back. This one's from AOL. It's called AOL AV, and it can handle video chats with up to four people at once. 
The originator of a chat can both invite and remove other people. All they do is send a link. It's easy. You don't have to have logins and all, all that kind of stuff. System supports audio and video along with text-based chat. And unlike Yahoo Live, AOL AV chats are not public. This is meant to be a video conferencing system. We were using it earlier today. It's awesome. Today. Well, yeah, it worked like really it's well. no download. It's uh, a Skype alternative. Isn't it all uh, the Brizzly folks uh, built this? Is that who it's I from? I think it is, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I saw something on Twitter where the Brizzly folks were like, Hey, we haven't done a lot of new stuff with Brizzly, but here's why. Nice job, Brizzly. Yeah, for sure. Kodak has won a round of their patent skirmishes with Apple. So Kodak and Apple are also fighting. Mm. <laughs> Just, you know, throw it into the mix. Stop quite, fighting. Quite the schoolyard brawl. ITC Judge Robert Rogers determined that Apple's allegations of patent infringement are unfounded, adding that one of Apple's patents is even invalid. At issue are two digital camera technologies owned by Apple. One allows a camera to process multiple photos at the same time, while the other enables users to simultaneously adjust an image's balance, color, and resolution. Point Kodak. Well done. Uh, now it is time for, at the end of News Fuse, we always do either something kind of weird, science-y thing, mm -hmm. or, a, or what is called in the business a kicker. Yes. That's at the end of the news, the evening newscast, when they're like, it's a little zany and in and a fun. funny story, a cat got caught up a man's nostril, and it took forever oh. to get out. It's, it's always the human interest, funny right. story. Yeah. Um, we need a name for this, besides kicker. Yeah, because kicker is... It's, it's too industry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I'm know. also the only her, so I take offense. Because because Jason wants to make a little uh, news fusey type intro for it. Yeah, but we don't know what to call it. What should we call it? Yeah, help us. One more I, thing. I don't know. <laughs> one more. <laughs> one more thing. Actually, kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, today's one more thing is if you're a celebrity <laughs> and you're tweeting a lot. You may be driving away fans by boring them. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Celebrities who bombard fans with Twitter updates are likely to have shorter careers than those who maintain an aura of mystique. This, at least according to a survey. Uh, I, who did this survey? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This was on Reuters. And survey they don't, takers. They, uh, oh, uh, music consumer research by publishers Bauer Media. I think it, this is all just kind of a ploy by... The music industry to just stop, or well, music and Hollywood to just stop celebrities from yapping because it's like you, you think of your favorite actor or actress. The less you know about their personal lives, Kyle usually McLaughlin. the more you like them because they stay in character for you. Mm. And then there's the actors and actresses that I particularly like, and I, they 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 make a point to like live overseas or not give quotes and that sort of thing because that's. It's not really a their their job isn't really about their daily lives, what they had for lunch, and who they you know like on TV. It's like there's a little bit of that fourth wall that I just don't want to know about. Are you saying the celebrities really aren't that interesting? And once we know about them, we shouldn't. Well, I mean, care? none of us are really all that interested. I mean, it's like anybody can blather on on Twitter, but I guess if you know Katy Perry is the one blathering on on Twitter, then I might have I don't know that might just fall into the next song I hear from her when I go, oh, Katy right. Perry had a bad Tuesday. Let's, let's evaluate. All right. Here, here's the latest tweet in my timeline from okay. Rafe Needleman. Celebrity. Celebrity. Absolute Rafe, celebrity. Celebrity Rafe Needleman. Pro PR tip number 168. Know the answer before you ask the question. Mm. What good was number advice. 167? Still, he actually has a pro, pro tip blog, so you can go read it. Oh, so he's mystique. not being like, ha ha, this no. blog no, is, is a, this is a He's got a link to it, to all of this stuff. Is it maintaining his mystique? That's the thing. It's kind, it is if you were mysterious, you've got to click a link. What it's else not is boring me. Exactly. The thing, though, here's the... And I'm not saying that Rafe is not a celebrity. We're all celebrities in our own right. Or in, in our, our own minds. minds. 
But I think this applies mostly to people who have some sort of a, this is my... Next. My personality. Yeah, right? see, I'm really an actor follow. and I'm playing other people. I'm a I'm a performer and I get up on stage and kind of have this okay, thing so, that I do. Okay, so it's more really like me. Chris Hardwick. He's a comedian. See, though. I've got him. His latest one is watch, watch, watch. Now, now, now. Cats and tanks. I would watch that. See, that's that's not boring. <laughs> well done, Chris Hardwick. So, in a survey of, of of us, we're like, this does not hold true. Uh, I don't know. This uh, this is as scientific as what Bauer Media did. Depends on the celebrity, I think. Yeah. All right. Some celebrities just say stupid stuff, and a lot of other people do too. And that's it for in case you were wondering. <laughs> also suggested as a the more you know, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> on to the calendar. So starting yesterday, actually, that's May twelfth. It's Friday thirteenth, by the way. Happy Friday thirteenth, everybody. Uh, but starting yesterday, all videos uploaded to Flipshare will expire after 30 days, and that includes any that you may, as a Flip user, already have uploaded. The service will continue for two and a half years, but none of your videos will stay permanently. 30-day expiration. Nothing lasts forever. Really good time to take those and put them on your YouTube account. Or somewhere, yeah. Don't put them up on Google Video, though, because you're just going to have to (laughs) transfer those to YouTube. Yeah, that's true. Android tablet users can pick up a new version of the Barnes & Noble Nook app. The app supports both Android 2 and 3, but uh, uh, you have to have a resolution of 800 by 480. Otherwise, awesome. Sprint adds two new 3G mobile broadband plans and unlimited WiMAX for all. I'm liking this because I have a 5 gig plan that's 60 bucks, and now they have a 3 gig plan that's 30 bucks, but I still get unlimited WiMAX. So Hmm. does that make sense for you? It might, because I actually don't use that much data. And when I do, I'm usually traveling in a place that has WiMAX. Cool. The Samsung Infuse 4G is coming to AT&T this Sunday, May 15th. Also May 15th, the HP Veer 4G will hit AT&T for $100. Monday on May 16th, Grok Law. Remember, we talked about Grok Law briefly earlier in the show by accident. Uh, But now we're really talking about it because they're going to stop publication. Yep. They say the SCO thing that started the whole thing. But they do such a good job with non-SCO stuff. I'm going to miss them. Perhaps they'll come back uh, when they have something else to to pull apart. And Droid X2 is launching on May 26th. Alrighty. I can't believe it's even May. But it won't use Skyhook, as we learned yesterday. That's right. On to the emails to TNT at twit.tv. Wayne, the unintentional spammer uh, from Montreal, wrote in and said, Hey again. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. I did send my email to both Buzz Out Loud and TNT, but it was unintentional. I wrote it first to Buzz Out Loud and saved it to send later, but then listened to your podcast and decided to mail it to you guys instead. I thought I just deleted the draft to BOL until I heard it read on their podcast, too. My bad. That's okay, though. I think it's an important topic that should be discussed by as many parents as possible. I've listened to Tom since the Snakes on a Plane obsession and was glad to hear there are still a lot of cross-podcast listeners out there. He also tweeted us. Yeah, He was really apologetic, and I mean... I, I actually, you know, all kidding aside, don't think there's anything wrong no. with posing an no. issue to two podcasts who cover a lot of the same I'll stuff. be sending emails to both shows my entire vacation. Oh, I think his story is legit because somebody said in another email that uh, the version we read was more polished than the one that was read on BOL. So maybe it really was a draft and we got the finished version. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay, that's it, Wayne. Yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, in any case, we forgive you, although Tom is coming to your town next week, so watch out. I'm after you, Wayne. <laughs> uh, next email from Bennett uh, from New Hampshire. Hey, TNT crew, in light of Google's music beta announcement, I wanted to pose a question to you guys about subscription music streaming services. What I'm wondering is, why are small startups like Ardio and Mog able to secure licensing from the record labels that yet big guys like Amazon and Google can't? Spotify is struggling to come to the U.S. because they want to offer a free option, but I don't see why no large media company has been able to offer for paid music, music subscriptions. Part of me wonders if these companies would just be better off acquiring RDO or Mog to get their hands on the licenses. Wanted to hear your thoughts. Love the show. All right. So um, that's uh, the the thing that popped out at me first when I saw this email was... A baby! Google... <laughs> no, oh. that would have been news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Google and Amazon are having a baby. No, Google and Amazon are both wanting to do lockers. They want to do storage service, right? And and the difference is RDO and Mug, they don't do storage. They just do they just do streaming. Although they do allow you to take your music with you on your iPhone and Blackberries and stuff. But but they're not about the locker service. It's not take your music you already own and upload it. So that's a deal breaker for the music industry. They want to have extra licensing deals and payments for the locker service. So that's a difference between those two. But then when we were talking about this before, I as you, was it you brought up Lala? Yeah, or Lala. Was... I mean, Apple bought Lala, and, and you guys were telling me because I haven't gotten to use Lala. It was a cloud storage service, yes. and it was a streaming service. It I don't did know how that both even of works. Those things. How did it get away with this? I don't know how they were able to get away with it, but they did have deals, and they were mm -hmm. selling music, and they were selling it cheaper than a lot of places. And then Apple bought them and shut them down. Did Apple do us a disservice by taking away the one example of the company who was doing it all? They were probably hoping that they could transfer the licenses to themselves and use everything, and maybe that's what what stopped everything. Were they, or were they just like, Lala's too awesome, and they're our competitor, and we're going to buy they them. They must be stopped. And squash them like a little bug. That is completely possible. <laughs> I don't know how likely it is, but it's possible. And our last email from Jeffrey Mathias from Denver, Colorado. Hey, guys, don't think I've heard mention of this on the show, but in the last few days, Netflix has completely quit working on a lot of people's PS3. No longer does ignoring the PSN error do the trick. Sure, the movie choices still load, but you simply can't get them to play no matter how many times you ignore the error. So I'll tally another fail on Sony's scorecard and be thankful that I have a Mac Mini hooked up to the TV. I'm sorry for those out there who just got another kick in the joystick wow. by Sony's insistence in forcing you to log on to PSN to use services that you don't subscribe yep. to through them. Well, that, it's easily Cheers. fixed, right? PSN just pushes out a patch. Oh, right. Mm. They can. <laughs> Via USB that. stick. So they just yeah, down, right. They you download it. The sneaker net. Right. Yeah, they That's hire how. couriers <laughs> to deliver the they patch. They walk to every house on the... Done. Um, that would be funny if they sent door-to-door -door salesmen. Sony's sneaker. I'd just like to update your uh, PlayStation so that you can use Netflix. That's their new secure way of doing it. <laughs> uh, sadly, sadly, that is not going to happen. Well, thanks, Jeff, uh, even if it is bad news for writing into us. Anybody can write into us anytime they want. They use, use a, uh, an electronic mail client. That's good. I like those. Voicemails yeah. as well. Yeah, and in the, uh, in the two line, uh, you're going to want to type... T N T and then the at symbol mm -hmm. and then T W I T dot TV. Oh, one of those fancy TV domains. Yeah, I know. Oh wow. Uh -huh. It distinguishes. No, those us. are more expensive. They, they are. So it shows the quality of our podcast right. that we have one. You know, you can find our our, our website at the the same location. Uh at dot TV address, I mean. Twit.tv slash TNT. Yeah. Yeah. Makes We're too much very sense. Rich. We don't have a dot TV phone number though. 
No. 260-TNT-SHOW is our phone number. But it is Google Voice. Yeah. It never goes down. They will see you Monday. I'll see you in a week or so. See us on a Monday. Have Don't a good go. time. Bonjour. Don't go.